0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be together this morning and uh, I especially appreciate the fact that you probably had to shovel your driveway twice to get here today and uh, I appreciate that. To those folks at home, glad that you're with us and good for you for staying warm. I was Just a little word of a reminder before we jump into our teaching time this morning. Um, We have a house church that's beginning today called the Etcetera House Church. They're meeting uh, Sunday afternoons on the 2nd, let me make sure I get this right, uh, 2nd, I believe, the 4th Sunday. Anybody? I didn't write it down. Did I get it right? 2nd and 4th Sunday, Etcetera House Church? 1st. No, today's second and third, yeah, okay. So this is just proving that we're not perfect in the church office. Second and fourth Sunday of the month meeting after the service, you bring a bag lunch. If you're if if you if you coming for the house church, it's meeting next door at the portable. If you weren't thinking about coming today, going to the house church, but you're hearing this now and you're like, hey, that sounds like a really great time. I'd like to, like, you know, we're already here. It'd be a great opportunity to connect because this house church's main purpose is to be about building connections and relationships and doing life together and having some conversations about what that means. And so if that's something that you're interested in, uh, pop over after the service into the portable, uh, talk to Beth and Dan Young. They'd love to kind of chat with you and connect with you. And, you know, stick around. We'd love to have you join that uh, this week. You know, earlier this week, uh, Michelle and I were working in our kitchen, and she said something that she intended to be very much a joke. But in that moment, I didn't hear it as a joke. You you, you had these experiences before, right? Where somebody says something that they they mean it to be funny and you know what, it took me a moment because it was really funny, but in the headspace I was in right then and there, I was like, what, Are, are you serious? We've had moments like this before, haven't we? Where we're having conversations with people maybe in our house or people that uh, we work with or maybe our neighbors, and, and we just aren't sure what is going on. It takes us a moment to get on the same page. Maybe it's a joke. Maybe it's a story they, they shared. It just takes us a moment to feel like we're on the same page. And this example, most of these are, are pretty innocent, and they can be easily remedied by just taking a moment and, and then all of a sudden it clicks, right? But there are other relationships that we have where, It just feels like we are rarely, if ever, on the same page with the other person, right? You know, the conversations that we have at best feel awkward. They maybe feel forced. There may be a part of us that feels like even though we're talking with them, like, are we actually connecting? There's something missing here. If we could just figure out what's missing in this relationship, then maybe things could be different. But there's just this feeling that there's something missing, you know, I, I do wonder if, you know, this might describe how some of us feel when it comes to our relationship with God and, and how, it, how our uh, practices of prayer kind of feel to us. That, you know, we try and we try and we try to do the right thing and we, we try to pray and we're, we, we want to connect with God. But we can't help but have this feeling that there's something missing, that we just aren't quite on the same page, we're just out of sync, and that things aren't actually clicking the way that we feel like it should click. Like, aren't we supposed to be connecting with God in this moment? And if we aren't feeling like we're connecting with God, we might find ourselves saying, like, well, what's the point? Well, last week we began a five-week series where we are are looking at what Jesus teaches us about prayer as he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And we started with the opening line which says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we looked at how this ought to shape our entire approach to prayer. You know, that a great place to start is to focus on who God is and, and, and the fact that He loves us, and He loves us a lot. And that is the place where we start when we go we acknowledging this is God and He wants to hear from us. Well, this morning we're going to look at the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to suggest to us that as we look to include this practice of prayer, that it can sort of be maybe that missing place, that missing thing when it comes to our connection with God, that if we are feeling like there's a disconnect, like we feel like we just aren't actually, we aren't sure what we're doing even when we're praying. Well, this learning to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, actually is a, is a key part to us figuring out what does this relationship look like that we might want to have with God. You know, so often we come to prayer with an agenda, but I think sometimes our agendas, the, things, the list of things that we want, the things that we need to talk to God about, can actually kind of get in the way of us connecting with God. But when we start praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, for a moment what we do is we take our agenda and we set it off to the side, and we make space to talk to God, to meet with God, and and allow him to be present with us, and for him to shape the conversation that we might have. And so the big idea that we're going to explore this morning is that prayer connects us to God and with his vision for our world. Prayer connects us to God and His vision for our world. And so I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer for us again this morning. Uh, At the end of our time, we are going to pray the Lord's Prayer together like we will throughout this series. But for now, let me just read these words of Jesus. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Now, I'm not a particularly crafty person. In fact, I would say I'm not a crafty person at all. But there's something that I do notice about those of you who are crafty people. And I'm going to take, for example, those of you who are into knitting or crocheting. Is that, that, am I getting, some of you are doing it right now? Yes, I can see that. Wonderful. Good Good for you. I appreciate that, actually. You might as well multitask. Uh, you know what, the thing that I appreciate about when I talk to you, those of you who are knit or crochet is when I say, hey, what are you making? And you always say, it's a scarf, or it's a toque, or it's a sweater, or it's a pair of mittens. You always say what it, what, that's what it is to you. But when I look at it in my uncreative self, at best I can tell you it looks like a dishcloth, okay? <laughs> but you know, and you, already, you know what it's going to be, and in your minds that mess of yarn that I can't see the full picture of, that mess of yarn is already that, that final product already. You just have to get it there. It already is a toque. It is, already is a scarf. It just needs to be completed. This is a good image, I think, for us to keep in mind as we think about what Jesus taught, teaches us about prayer when he refers to the kingdom or the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is the vision of what could be and what will be in God's realm, the way God would have it be. Which is why Jesus teaches us to allow the kingdom to shape how we pray. See, the kingdom, was sometimes referred to in the Gospels as the kingdom of God or, or the kingdom of heaven, is the central part of Jesus' life and teaching. The kingdom refers to the reign and rule of God, which, in which God's values, his justice, and his love prevail. And as Jesus talks about the kingdom, he talks about it in terms of something that is already, pre, already true, as a present reality, but at the same time is somehow a future hope. It is both something that is here and now, but yet also something that we are waiting for. And a key part of Jesus' teaching is that with him showing up on the scene, that the kingdom has come to earth. That is to say that the way that things are in, in God's realm, and we sometimes say, refer to this realm as heaven, is somehow breaking into earth and is becoming known in the here and now. Jesus frequently uses stories called parables to describe what the kingdom will be like. And in one of his parables, Jesus describes the kingdom as being a, like a pretty common seed, a mustard seed that quietly grows and as it, until it becomes this mature plant that will one day produce fruit and one day become a place of shelter for animals. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is, is kind of like this seed. It might not look like much now, but give it time. Allow it to nurture, allow it to grow, and it will become something significant that brings about a lot of good. You know, you and I, we are used to the world the way that it is. But in talking about the kingdom of God, Jesus is very much describing something that, that is different. A God reality that Jesus demonstrates through his life and his teaching. Where we see needs being met, where, where the ways of generosity, love, forgiveness are taught. Where, where we are shown what does it mean to set aside our egos and to serve others uh, sacrificially and, 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 and joyfully. And if we skip to the end of the story, in the book of Revelation, a time there's a scene described of a time when there is no sickness, there is no war, where relationships are made whole and where all of creation has been healed. And all of this describes the life and way of the kingdom. And Jesus is telling us when we pray, we are to keep this vision in mind, that the way things are are not how they will be one day. You know, so often when we pray, we come into prayer with a list of things that we want God to do. But in teaching us to, to include the kingdom in how we pray, what Jesus is doing is he's inviting us to have a different starting point in our prayers. You know, before we get to our list of things, and we're going to have time to, to bring our list of things to, to, to God in prayer, before we get there, we are to begin by, to, by seeking to understand how God sees things. We are to begin by, by looking to understand God's heart for the various situations and circumstances and the relationship struggles that we are facing. We are to begin at that starting point. And when we pray, your kingdom come on earth as is, is in heaven, it is actually inviting us to, to see how things could be and to recognize the disconnect between how things are now and how things will be at one time, at one point in time, when, when God makes all things new. And what will grow in us is a longing for things to be different. And a longing, that, a longing for things that would be different that actually connects with the longing that God has for things to be different. And within this sense of longing also comes a sense of faith. That this prayer is very much a prayer of faith that God is who he says he is. When we say, God, your, will be, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. We are declaring, God, we, we, we believe that you are who you say you are. And that you will do what you say you will do. And because of that, we can go forward and we can say to our Heavenly Father, God, we would like a little bit of that kingdom to become part of our reality now. You know, here's the thing. When we seek the ways of the, of the kingdom uh, on earth as it is in heaven we are also finding ourselves in a place where we are seeking you know, God to direct us about how we can be a part of that kingdom, being here on earth as it is in heaven. That we get to be a part of this. You know, it will cause us, as we pray these words, it will cause us to see things differently. You know, our perspectives will widen. Our, 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 we might find that we have more grace for people that maybe previously we wouldn't have had grace for. We might find ourselves feeling uh, a passionate about a cause or an issue that previously we might not have cared much about. We might find ourselves feeling moved or propelled to be people of action, to do something, to be a part of the kingdom, becoming a part of our reality. And ultimately, all this will connect us with God's heart. That we will be, as we pray these words, we are seeking to be connected with the God who is love who created us and loves us and has big hopes and dreams for you and for me and for all of this creation that we get to be a part of and we are connecting with him. When I was 17 or maybe 18 years old, there was a a period of time when I was very, very stressed about what I was supposed to do with the rest of my life. You know, those moments where you're like, okay, your whole life's in front of you, now what am I supposed to do? And I was fortunate in in that I had some options in front of me. You know, I had a couple of different schools that I'd been accepted to go to. I had a couple different programs that I could have chosen to, to study in. But I, all of those options felt stressful to me because I didn't know what the right one was. You know, I'd, I'd heard people talking about God's will. And in my mind, God's will was this particular endpoint, this particular destination. And I was afraid of getting it wrong because if I got it wrong, if I made the wrong decision, was I somehow going to be forever outside of God's will? For example, if I went to the University of Waterloo instead of Laurier, some of you are like, that was the wrong decision anyways, okay. If I went to there, would I somehow have gotten, you know, would I have missed out on meeting the person I was supposed to marry, got the wrong job, moved to the wrong city, all because I made the wrong decision about what school to go to? That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Some of us know this, we have, we've had these wrestlings ourselves, it's like, we don't want to make the wrong decision, because if we make the wrong decision, what else might go wrong in our lives? That's a lot of pressure. You know, here's the thing, Well, there might be times when God clearly directs us in a, speci- in a specific direction, in general, God's will, when we talk about God's will, it's better thought of in terms of ethics, or doing what is Right? And so as Jesus teaches us to pray for the kingdom to come and for God's will to be done, it's important that we, that we realize that we aren't talking about a lofty, abstract concept that's far off or some hidden reality that we have to go and find or, uh, or, or we need to find some distant point in the future when we're looking at trying to discern God's will. But instead, what Jesus is talking about is about something that's concrete, something that we can act on. And so as Jesus teaches us to pray for God's will to be done, Jesus is teaching us that through prayer, we are committing ourselves to doing what God says is right in our relationships and in our world. Again, sometimes I think we can make this more complicated than it actually is, and we, lose, we can lose sight of the fact that God's will is actually pretty straightforward, In fact, there's some neat little Old Testament passages where a couple of times God's people, um, you know, God speaks through his prophets uh, to God's people that says pretty much just this like, you're making it too complicated. Keep it simple. You know, for a variety of reasons, God's people had made something much more complicated than it was. They got lost in, you know, here's the religious behaviors that we have to, you know, we do all the right religious things, here's the right sacrifices, here's the right festivals, here's the right way of doing worship. But they missed the point. And God says in the opening chapter of Isaiah, you know what, I've had enough of your religious practices. Instead, this is what he tells them. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And in Micah chapter 6, it has a very similar feel to that. And the prophet writes, he has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to do what I told you is good, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In both of these situations, God's people were busy doing religious things that they could have said, hey, we're doing the right thing, check. But God says, none of this matters if you aren't actually doing the right thing in your relationships with other people. And so we need to keep this in mind as we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because the point that Jesus is making is that as we turn our attention off of ourselves and we seek God's ways and what the life of the kingdom will be like, then we're going to discover, we're going to be reminded what God wants us to do. What God's will is, what God's right actions are in these situations. And we are to be acting accordingly. You know, this is not a prayer that the right thing will be done by somebody else or even just that God will somehow make it happen. It could be. But ultimately, it's a prayer of commitment where we are praying that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven through us. That we are willing participants in doing what God thinks is right and we are committed to making it so in our lives. Now, as we think about this point, there's a couple things that, that we can keep in mind that we, I think we ought to keep in mind here. And the first is that there are things that will keep us from properly sensing God's will in our lives. Now, this one right here could be a whole sermon for another time, but we do need to recognize that, that there are things that are a part of our lives that will make it difficult for us to discern or, or to remember what God's will is, what the right thing to do is. You know, when we are committed to sinful habits, we might find it easy to justify doing what is wrong. When we are too busy, we may, we ha- may not have the time to learn what God thinks is right. When our lives have become all about us, We might not have the capacity to see how God might want us to do anything different with our lives than what we currently are doing. And this leads us to our next point. That we need to make space to discern God's will in our lives. You know, this is one of the things that I'm learning right now is that I need to figure out how to slow down the pace of my life. I need to figure out how to slow things down. And there's a bit of a selfish desire to, uh, part, part to this, but there's also the part where I'm recognizing that when I don't slow down, my relationships aren't what I want them to be. My relationship with God isn't good. My relationship with my family isn't what I want it to be. Learning to slow down is a good thing. And what I mean by learning to slow down is not necessarily that I do less, but that I find moments to actually calm myself and to be present in the situations that I'm in, to be, be able to listen to be paying attention. Because when I make space to listen, then I can figure out what the appropriate next steps are. I can figure out how to, you know, act properly in my relationships with others, much better than when I am busy. You know, when I'm rushed, I do not make good, loving decisions. And my guess is you don't either. When we are rushed, we do not make good, loving decisions. We need to make space to slow down so we can discern God's will in our lives. We need to make space for spiritual reflection. We need to make space for prayer. We need to make space to meet with other people who can, sp- who can speak into our lives and help us discern what is good and maybe where we're going astray. When we do these things, we are making space to listen and to be, have God's idea of what is good and what is right for us become clearer. Lastly, for God's will to be done, it means that we need to be willing to do our part. I was reminded of this this week as I was going through my my reading. I'm reading through the Gospel of Matthew right now, and, and it struck me how Jesus, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, sends his disciples out to go and to do ministry, and basically to go and to continue the ministry that Jesus himself is doing. And this is very much how Jesus works, and this is very much how the kingdom of God works, with ordinary people doing what is within their reach to bring the ways of the kingdom to life. And what this means is that as we pray, that we are paying attention for those realizations that come to mind about what we can do, what is within reach for us to do to bring the life and love of the kingdom into being. You know, we have some neighbors who aren't as mobile as they used to be, and from time to time, I find myself praying for their health, praying that they will have the supports that they need. And the other day, as I'm outside shoveling, it struck me, I can go across the road here and shovel. I know what God's will is in this situation. God's, God's will is that I go and love my neighbor by shoveling their driveway, giving my time and my energy. It's not this really big, profound thing. It's just this moment of realizing that I have the skills to go and to answer this prayer, to see this prayer answered. You know, when we pray for God's will to be done, we shouldn't be surprised when that prayer propels us into action. And when this happens, we can be happy. We can be happy because we can recognize the fact that we have heard God speak to us. We have sensed God moving in our lives and our hearts have been connected. Our hearts and our motivations have been connected to his heart and what his will would be done in our little corner of the world. Now I'm excited let me just tell you a little bit about next week, because next week we have a guest speaker, not really a guest speaker. Kristen goes here, she's sitting right over here this morning. Kristen's speaking, speaking next Sunday, and she is speaking, focusing on the praise, on the phrase, rather, "Give us today our daily bread." And for many of us, this is the part of the Lord's Prayer that we might have circled because this is what we want to hear more about. You know, we have a list of things that we, you know, we want to bring to God and say, God, these are our needs. And so we are excited to to hear this part spoken on because if you're like me, we're secretly hoping that what Kristen will do next week is will give us that magical phrase that will guarantee uh, our prayer, that our prayers will be answered. No pressure, Kristen. But this is, what I, this is what I'm beginning to wonder as I work through the Lord's Prayer here. Because that phrase, that magical incantation is not here. You know, there is a good reason why this asking portion of this prayer comes after the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a reason why it comes after that. Because the reality is, is that as we learn to lean into praying for the kingdom and for God's will to be done, that how we pray changes. We're still going to ask for stuff. We are still going to have needs, and we're going to still go before God and say, God, I need this, but how we pray those words is going to be different. We are still going to need to confess our sins. That's going to come after that. We are still going to need to confess our sins and say, God, I messed up, or go to other people and say, I messed up, but how we go about that practice of confession and how we go about granting forgiveness, that's going to be different. It's going to be different because this vision of the kingdom and what God's will is should change how we approach prayer, how we approach our relationships. It will reorient our hearts and cause us to see things differently. It'll, and not only that, but it will cause us to see how God is present with us in whatever it is that we happen to be facing. Now, as we reflect on the kingdom of God this morning, we are going to celebrate communion uh, or the Lord's Supper together as a part of how we think about and reflect on the nature of the kingdom and how God has invited us to be a part of it. And as we celebrate communion, we are remembering that what Jesus did to embody the life and the love of the kingdom and what he did, the fact that he did that for each and every one of us. See, because of Jesus, sin no longer needs to separate us from knowing God as our Father, and so as we eat and we drink in just a few moments, we are acknowledging that this was not an easy feat, that Jesus suffered and he died so that we can know God, so that we can call God our good, loving, heavenly Father. And in doing so, Jesus shows us the way of love. He shows us what the way of the kingdom is. And so as we eat and drink, we do so with gratitude that what Jesus did was for you and it was for me. Now at the same time, uh, as we eat and drink this morning, there's a sense that what we are doing together is we are committing ourselves to the Jesus way. That just like Jesus showed us the way of the kingdom, that we are committing to follow his example. That we want the ways of the kingdom to become true in our lives, in our relationships, in the places that we work, we go to school, we play. That we want it to be so and that we are going to be participants in that. And so as we eat and drink this morning, I would invite us to do so as a commitment or maybe a recommitment that we are saying, Jesus, I am giving myself to you and to your way. Let the kingdom come and be a part of my life here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me just give a couple words of instruction here before I move us into a time of prayer. Following our prayer time, I'm going to invite those, uh, those of you who wish to partake in communion to come to the front. We're going to have a station here and a station here where we have servers who will be holding the communion elements. You are invited to come to the front and to collect your, uh, the bread and the juice and to take it back to your seat. Um, I'm going to, we're going to ask that you sit there and you just hold the elements and use the time just to reflect on uh, what, what communion means. Reflect on Jesus' sacrifice, reflect on the invitation to to be a part of the life of the kingdom, just to use this time as reflection. The bread that we're serving today is gluten-free, if that is a concern for you. Uh, If you are unable to come to the front, uh, we just ask that you just put your hand up, and we are very willing to bring communion to you. We are prepared to do that this morning, and so don't be shy. Put your hand up. Some of you already told me you're going to have your hand up really nice and high. That is great. We will bring the communion to you. We want you to participate. And because we want to eat and drink together this morning, we think this is an important thing to do. Just a reminder, take it back to your seat and just wait and, until I give further instructions for, what, for our, us being able to partake together. I'd invite you to join me in prayer, and at the end of this time of prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer will be on the screen behind us, and we will, say it to, we will conclude our prayer time by saying it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for being you. Thank you for being the God who is holy, the creator of all things, the the, the God who sustains life. And God, we are grateful that we get to call you our Father. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you are cheering for us, Lord, and you have hopes and dreams for us, Lord. This morning we ask that you would just connect us to your heart. Lord, that we might see ourselves the way that you see us, that you, we might see the world the way that you see it, Lord, that, we would grow, that what would grow in us is a passion that reflects your heart and the ways of the kingdom. God, we recognize that so much of our lives just, God, it seems broken, and we wish that things would be different. Lord, there are things going on in our personal lives that are just really hard. There are situations going on across the world, Lord, that just seem unjust. And so, God, in this moment, we come before you and we say, God, we want your kingdom to come. We want this vision of what your love really is to be true here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we are longing for that. And in this place of longing we recognize that you too are longing for that. You too are looking forward to that day when there will be no tears, where war will be no war will be no more. When everything will be made new. And so God, this morning we are declaring our trust in you. That you are who you say you are and that God you will ultimately do what you say you will do. And God, in the here and now, we ask that you would grant us patience and perseverance, that we would be faithful in this time of waiting, and that, God, we would see little inbreakings of your kingdom becoming true in the here and now. And God, as we have opportunities to do so, may we be moved to be a part of your kingdom. May we do what is right, what is just, what is loving in our relationships. May we be defined by your ways. God, may all of that shape who we are and what we are about. God, as we go into the week ahead, there are things that we need. And so, Lord, in this silence, we quietly just whisper a few few of these things to you. God, help us to trust you to take care of us and to provide for us. Lord, there are things this week that we have done, things that we have thought, things that we have said that have not been right. People we have offended. People we have treated unjustly. God, before we come to the communion table, we take a moment and we confess these things to you. God, recognizing that our lives are often not in alignment with the kingdom. Forgive us, we pray. Help us to be better. And Lord, in those moments where other people offend us, may we be slow to anger. May we be abounding in love. May we be quick to forgiveness. Lord, may our responses reflect who you are. And in doing so, Lord, in the act of forgiveness, may something new and beautiful emerge. God, there will be times this week where we face temptations where we will be tempted to make life about us, where we will be tempted to objectify another, we will be tempted to be greedy and to pursue ways that are ultimately unjust. God, would you protect our hearts and our minds? Would you give us the gift of a second thought? Would you give us wise insight and the influence of others who can speak into our lives and maybe point us in a different direction? Lord, protect us, we pray. God, as we focus on on communion, on the sacrifice of Jesus. We just ask that you would speak to us in these moments, that this time of reflection might be one where we just sense you reminding us of what you think of us. And Lord, perhaps giving us a thought that will go with us into the week about what we can and should be doing. In your name we pray, amen.